I just want to introduce, sadly so, for the last time in this meeting, Dr. Bill Rice III. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Let you find it, and then I'll say a word, and then we'll read verse 24, a fairly well-known verse in 1 Peter chapter 2. And you find it look this way, and I'll know you have it, all right? If you are a guest tonight, that is, if you're not a member of Gospel Baptist, that would be true of Mary and myself. Uh, we're just really pleased that you're here, and I hope you'll get back. This is a special Sunday coming up. Uh, when you can hear the pastor and be in one of the, quote, regular, quote, closed services of the church. Let me thank you for coming. How many of you have been here every night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday? Can I see your hand? That's amazing. How many only missed one night? All right, great. Well, actually, that's about 85% of the crowd that's been here every night uh, are missed only one. And I really appreciate your coming. And you, un until you become an evangelist, you'll never know what it means to have people inviting friends to hear you speak. It really is quite humbling. And it's something for which uh, I am very thankful. Mary said to me earlier in the week, the people there are just so friendly. That's true, you are. My dad used to say, like pastor, like people. And that is true as well. So we appreciate your friendliness and your help. Um, I've appreciated getting to know the quartet this week. Um, of course, I've known Brother Jeff uh, before. He's been here when Mary and I have been here before. But we met Brother Chuck this week, and I met Brother Terry uh, this week, and I met Brother John, this week. So, <laughs> I just want to say it's been good to know all of them. And I, I've enjoyed them and appreciate their kindness to us. And then um, I had hoped Will could be here this week. I'm twisting the pastor's arm uh, to have him here for one service next year. Um, but I wanted the pastor to uh, meet Will and Will to meet the pastor. I said to Will, um, this pastor <laughs> is really different. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was not, you know, to tear anybody down or to build anybody up. It's just the truth. And... Uh, so, and also, I wanted Will to kind of be, you know, prepared uh, to meet the pastor. So, Lord willing, he'll get to meet him uh, next year, and um, I'll look forward to that. If you get a chance to come see us at the ranch, I hope you will. We have uh, four weeks this summer uh, that we call combined weeks. They're weeks for teens, juniors, and the deaf. And a typical teen, junior, deaf week will have up to 400 teens, 
up to 200 juniors and up to 50, usually from 10 to 45 or 50 deaf young people. We have four of those. Then we have two weeks for families, one the 4th of July week and one uh, the last week in July, first week in August. And then we have uh, two day camps. They've really been a blessing. We've just had them now for seven years where kids come from the city. They come out in the morning at 8 o'clock. They stay until 5. Uh, many of the kids who come, they're 8 through 12-year-olds, have never been in a church and know nothing about the gospel. I shouldn't take the time, but let me do this real quick. Let me tell you about day camp. We had this kid at day camp, and he was walking with a counselor from the auditorium where he had just heard an evangelist preach down to Cowboy Town. And so he said to the counselor, he said, uh, you know, the preacher said this week, we're all sinners. Is that true? And the counselor said to this nine-year-old, eight, nine-year-old, said, yes, that's what the Bible says we are. He said, well, the preacher said this week that if you're a sinner, you, you, you won't go to heaven. You, you can't be in heaven. Is that, is that true? And the counselor said, yes, it is. That's what the Bible says. He said, well, the preacher said this week, if you're a sinner and you can't go to heaven, you'll, you'll actually go to hell. Is that true? And the counselor said, Yes, that's what the Bible says. And the kid said to the counselor, you reckon there's something we can do about this? <laughs> I just love that story. I just love it, love it, love it. So the counselor led him to Christ. But that's day camp. They know nothing. Uh, Monday, they preach about sin. Tuesday, they preach about judgment. Wednesday, they preach about the cross. And Thursday morning, uh, we have our first invitation. And last year, uh, the first day camp week, we had, I think it was 108 saved. And the second day camp week, we had almost 100 kids saved as well. So we thank God for day camp. So that's what we have in the summer. If you're coming through, you can stop in and see us anytime. I'm there every week unless I am at West Branch, which... Uh, won't happen this summer, I don't think. I think I'll be there all summer. But Mary and I are there. We'd love to see you. We'd love for you to stop into the ranch. By the way, if you do come, if you do come, don't say I'm from Ohio if you are uh, and you're wintering down here. If you come, say, we met you at Gospel Baptist Church. And I'll say, oh, yes, that's where Bill Lytell pastors. We'd love to have you come. First Peter chapter 2, you got it? Verse 24, if would please, out of respect to the scriptures, let's stand as we read. Speaking of Jesus, the verse says, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Father, this is such an important verse. Of course, we know, Lord, that anything you say is important. But this, this verse gives to us such valuable information. And I pray that you'll help us to see it. Help me as I speak tonight. Help these, my friends, as they listen. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you will teach us as we see what God has said this evening. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Maybe seated.
The story is told in the days of the Civil War in a border state of an attack on a Union garrison. Now you would know this. In the Civil War, our nation was torn north and south. But there were also border states. A border state was a state in which there was division within the state. In other words, some people in the state fought for the north, and others in the state fought for the south. That meant that sometimes there were towns or cities divided, and unbelievably, even families that were divided. So there was an attack by the rebels on a Union garrison. One of the attackers was captured, and the commander of the garrison, wanting to make an example, decided that the captured attacker would be executed the following day. He didn't want just anybody who happened to be against the North in this border state to be attacking his garrison. You can understand that. So the next day, the execution commenced. And this man was taken, his hands were tied behind his back, a blindfold was placed over his eyes, and a firing squad faced him. A great crowd had amassed because there was great tension and feeling among the people. Some of the people were for the Union and therefore against the attack. Others of the people were for the South and therefore they were against the execution. So there was a large crowd and the commanding officer raised his sword, barked out some orders and was about to drop the sword when suddenly from the back of the crowd, a true story, this actually happened. A young man named Willie Lear began to holler at the commanding officer. Wait just a minute, he said. Wait, don't shoot, stop, wait just a minute. And the commanding officer stopped. When he did, the young man turned so he could speak to the officer, but also to the crowd. And here's what he said. The man you're about to execute has a wife and a family. I have no one. I don't have parents. I don't have children. I'm not married. I have no one. I wasn't in, he said, on the attack last night, but I might as well have been. My sympathies are with the South. And I really was very excited that the attack took place. And so in some sense, I'm as guilty as he. He said, it would be a shame if this man were put to death. And really, I'm, I'm as guilty as he is. Let him go free, and I will die in his stead. Well, it was an unusual request, of course, and the commanding officer did not want to grant it, but he could sense the tension in the crowd. And fearing for another insurrection, he commanded that it be done. The man whose hands were tied was loosed. The blindfold was taken off of his eyes. Willie Lear was stood in his place, his hands tied, 
and a blindfold placed over his eyes. A second time, the commanding officer barked out orders, raised his sword, dropped the sword, the shots rang out, and Willie Lear fell dead. Sometime later, the man whose life who was spared knelt at a graveside. A passerby, noticing this, said to the man, A friend of yours buried here? No, said the man. I, I never knew him. Well, it's no one in your family then. No, not a loved one. No. And then the man whose life was spared told the story that I just told. Later, when the man whose life was spared could afford it, he erected a monument. I'm told it stands to this day. And on the monument, he had these words inscribed. To the memory of Willie Lear, he took my place. Now that amazing story is a great illustration of what Jesus Christ did for us. The Bible says, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So that the Bible says Jesus Christ literally died in our stead. Let this mind be in you, the scriptures say, which were also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ was beaten and crucified, not because of his wrongdoing, he had none. Jesus Christ is God, and as such was born perfectly and lived a perfect life. He never did anything he should not have done. He never left undone anything he should have done. He was and is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. But Jesus Christ died in your place. He bore your sin. The scriptures tell us he became sin for us. It doesn't say that he sinned. It says that he literally became sin. He bore in his body our sin when he died on the cross. And he was buried with our sin. Three days later, he was raised again without our sin. And later went back to glory. Who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree. Christ died for my sins. He died in my place. He took my sins. He took my punishment. He died for me. He died for you. So the scripture says here, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Now that's a strange statement to me. Christ died in our place bearing our sins. His own self bore our sins and his own body on the tree. That 
we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. Now that really is a unique statement. The Bible says we're dead to sins and therefore can live to righteousness. What does that mean? What does the Bible mean when it says we're dead to sin? Romans chapter 6. I love this chapter. You ought to just read through it tonight when you get home. Romans chapter 6 verse 1 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Okay, here is what the Bible is saying. Look, we're sinners, we're in sin, but God's grace has provided Christ who died in our place so that our sins can be forgiven. So God's great grace has provided for us. So the writer here of Romans says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, get even greater? And he answers his own question, God forbid. Now listen to this. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Verse 6, Romans says, knowing this, that our old man, that's what you are by nature, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now that's interesting, because the Bible doesn't say we just sin, it says we serve sin. You know, sometimes people say, well, the reason, the reason I sin is because I, I just enjoy it. That may be true. It may be true that you enjoy sinning, but that's not the reason that you sin. The reason that any man sins is that he is a slave to it. Let me give you an example. Here's a guy that swears. He takes God's name in vain. And he swears, he says, to more adequately describe his innermost thoughts and being. If, if you get mad at something, you can't say just, oh, pshaw. You know, you've you got to say something that means something. So the man who curses says something that means nothing. A person doesn't swear because he thinks. You ever have a friend and you say, please don't swear, and he says something in your presence, and so he says, oh, excuse me, excuse me, I, I didn't mean to say that, I wasn't thinking. Well, of course he wasn't thinking. Swearing and thinking don't go together. You don't swear because you think. You swear because you're a slave to that kind of language. Here's a guy, he's on the roof, and he's pounding nails, and he hits the wrong one. You've heard that. It's on his thumb, and he hits his thumb with a hammer. Is this how he reacts? Does he go, how, how can I adequately describe this pain that I am feeling? Oh, pshaw. No, it's not the way it happens. He's on the roof. He's hammering away. He hits his thumb. There's great pain, and he just lets out an oath. See, because he's a slave to it. Have you ever done things that you really 
weren't thinking about when you do them. All of us do. So sin is something to which we are enslaved. So how do you quit that? Verse 11 says this, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now here's how this works. Look, when Christ died on the cross, he bore my sins. He was buried with my sins. And he, Christ, rose victorious over my sins. Now, as a Christian in 2019, I am to reckon, that is, I am to consider, I am to realize, I am to see that when Christ died, he died with my sins, and I died with him. When he was raised again, he was raised without my sin, and I need to consider myself dead to sin, listen, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, so you consider yourself alive to sin. Uh, Brother Jeff, you know this, don't you? Brother Jeff sings over here on uh, this side of the quartet. And I told him earlier in the week, uh, you know, that if he had a bad throat or felt poorly, that I would stand in for him. And uh, evidently he's been feeling great all week because I haven't done any singing. But Brother Jeff uh, sends over. I, I think I met, I think Mary and I met Brother Jeff four years ago. It may have been three but we came here on a Wednesday night, and I think we met him there. But it's been three or four years. Now, I've only known him for a short time. But if I had known him 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 50 years ago, we, we would have been friends. You ever meet somebody and you just say, you know, I feel like I've known him all my life? Okay. So suppose Brother Jeff and I um, are teens at the same time. Now, we were not. He was a teenager about eight years before I was. But suppose that Brother Jeff and I were teens. Actually, I'm older than he. Suppose, suppose he and I were friends as, uh, as young guys. Now, neither one of us knows the Lord, and we're friends. And suppose every, what is this? This is Thursday night. Suppose every Thursday night, he and I play poker together. And we gamble. We gamble pennies and quarters. And, and every Thursday night, we just get together and we play poker. Hey, when I, <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a pool hall in Murfreesboro up on the square. And my dad said to us, now you guys stay away from the pool hall because it's, it's, it's bad. And I remember Pete and I once were on the square, and we were going by the pool hall, and we didn't know. Now, by the way, I don't know that pool is wrong or billiards, but the pool hall when we were a kid is where all the nefarious people in town would hang out. All right. So my brother Pete and I, we were about 10 or 11. We came by the pool hall, and it was kind of a smoky glass there, and we wondered what was inside. So we went up, and we both looked through the window, and they were, they were playing pool. And I thought it was poker because they poked the ball, you know, with the cue stick. And I had heard my dad say poker is bad, you know. So I said to Pete, well, no wonder dad didn't want us around there. They're in there playing poker. 
All right. So, Brother Jeff and I play poker, but it's not with a pool table. It's with cards. All right? We do it every Thursday night. Brother Jeff comes to Gospel Baptist, and he hears the pastor say, Listen, I don't care who you are or what you've done or where you've been or what you do. You are a sinner, but you can be saved because God is a God of grace. And if you'll call on the Lord Jesus, if you'll recognize he died in your place and trust him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself, you can be saved. Well, then Brother Jeff says, hey, I, I went in on that and he's saved. And he tells me about it. He says, Bill, you know, uh, we don't have to go to hell and we don't have to be damned forever. Jesus Christ bore our sins and died in our place. And he brings me to church and Brother Lytell's preaching and I'm saved too. Now let's make us at this point about 24. So we're both saved at the church. And he's saved one Sunday, I'm saved the next Sunday. Well, after I'm saved, the following Thursday night, I want to play poker. I know, I know, don't tell me you shouldn't gamble, Bill. I know that, but I've been playing it all my life. And I've been playing it with Brother Jeff, and I, I would like to play poker. But I don't want to call him up because I'm afraid I'll get a sermon. But finally, I just, I just can't help myself, so I give Brother Jeff a call. I say, Brother Jeff, uh, how you doing? He says, fine. I say, uh, you doing anything tonight? Not really. You're taking your wife out to eat. He says, you remember who you're talking to, Brother Jeff? No, no. We're staying home, going to have Cheerios. We're not going anyplace tonight. <laughs> so I say, well, um, Brother Jeff, how would you like to come over to the trailer and uh, Mary will fix some popcorn and we'll play some uh, <clears throat> poker. And Brother Jeff says, hey, you know what? I would like that. I say, praise God. He got saved, but he didn't get ruined. This is great. <laughs> this is great. I say, okay, come on over to the trailer. And about, uh, about 7.30, come on over to the trailer. And Mary will fix popcorn. And uh, we'll, we'll play some poker. He says, I can't come. I say, why not? You got anything going? No, I've already told you. You're sick? No, I'm fine. Well, you know how to play poker. We, we've played before. Yeah, I, I know that. Well, why can't you come over to play poker? And he says, because I'm dead. And I say, you're what? He says, I'm dead. I said, Brother Jeff, if you're dead, who am I talking to on the telephone? He says, well, you're talking to Brother Jeff, but you're talking to the new Brother Jeff, the old Jeff who played poker all of his life, week ago Sunday, died. And his sins died with him, and they were buried. And I've been raised again to walk in newness of life. Are you following this? You don't quit sinning. You die to it. You don't say, I have a battle with laziness. I just can't seem to get over it. You die to it. You don't say, I uh, tell too many stories and add to them when I tell my friends 
these stories, and that's wrong, and I know it. And I, I just need to quit, and I'm trying, and I know I should. You don't quit sinning. You die to it. You reckon, that is, you realize that you don't have to serve sin anymore. You can reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because when Christ bore our sins on the tree, he died with them, was buried with them, and rose victorious over them. And you know, when you try to stop things that are wrong, it really gets tiresome. You mean you mean it. You, you want to. You recognize the wrong of the sin, but you, you just can't stop. You say, well, Bill, um, what if tonight I reckon myself dead to a sin and I die to a sin in my life and I get resurrected? Well, don't say what if because that's exactly what will happen. The Apostle Paul said once, I die daily. Now, the context is a little different, but it does incorporate this, and the whole idea is to die to your sins. You just go home, and you get down on your knees and say, Lord, I'm asking your forgiveness. You said, if I would ask, you would forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and I am right now reckoning myself dead indeed unto sin. Because you don't have to sin anymore. See, lost people don't have that choice. They are servants to sin, and you are too until you reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin. So here's the question. What sins you need to reckon yourself dead to tonight? What sin are sins? You know, this is the truth. You don't need to walk out of this building tonight still enslaved to a given sin. And you know, sometimes we talk about besetting sins. I think that's often been confusing for us. But we talk about the sins that we often return to. But the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> the person who says he doesn't sin is deceiving himself. So says the Bible. And God's truth is not in him. So sin is something that we need to deal with daily. And we can have victory over it because that victory has been provided by Jesus Christ. So the question then is what sin you need to die to? What sins do you need to die to? You know it would be good if God's people in this room who have trusted Christ would reckon themselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Or just get, take, get it taken care of. And what, one of the sad things about people who have never trusted Christ is you don't, you don't have this opportunity. If you've never come to God and said, Lord, your son died in my place. The Bible says he bore my sins. He was buried with my sins. And I'm going to trust him for my salvation. When you do that, 
you become a member of God's family. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power, or the right to become the sons or the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. And when you trust Christ, you have the right to reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. If you know how this works, it doesn't take care of it unless you work it. See, you need to reckon. You need to consider. You need to realize that when Jesus died on the cross, he died in your place, and he offers to you the gift of eternal life. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. In other words, Jesus Christ took the punishment. He bore the stripes and he provides to us what we need for victory over sin. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pastor will stand with me. I know our heads are bowed, but please be alert. This is an important time, all right? If you're here tonight and there is a sin to which you need to reckon yourself dead, I'd like to encourage you to get that taken care of in this service. But before we do that, let me ask this. I wonder if you're here tonight and you'd say, Bill, I can't reckon myself dead to sin because I've never recognized that Christ is the only one that can be my Savior. I've never asked him to save me. I've never trusted the Lord Jesus. But I need to and I want to. And so tonight... I, I just want to go on record as saying, I'm trusting Christ as Savior. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, but you'd like to, would you just slip a hand up right now where you're seated until I see it? God bless you. You can put it down. Yes. Are there others? Just slip a hand up and say, now I'd like to know that my sins are forgiven and I would like to trust the Lord Jesus. We'll wait just a few moments. Others at all? How many, how many folks here tonight, I love this, could say, you know, Bill, I may not be all I should be or all I want to be, but I have trusted Christ and I know that God has forgiven me and I know that my home one day will be heaven. I know that I'm saved. Would you slip a hand up real high, real high? Isn't that wonderful? Thank you. You can put them down. Thank you. That, now, have we missed anyone else? Is there anyone else? All right, number two. How many people here would say this? Bill, as we were looking at 1 Peter 2.24, God brought to my mind a sin that I need to die to. Now, you're not naming it to me. You don't need to. I would to God. I would just say, Lord, I want to reckon myself dead to this sin tonight. I wonder if you're here in this service and you'd say, Brother Rice, there is a sin or maybe more than one. And God's dealing with me about it tonight in this service. And as his child, there is a sin that I need to reckon myself dead to tonight. And so I do that by the grace of God. I, I reckon I consider myself dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Would you slip a hand up where you're seated right now? Real high, would you? Isn't that wonderful? God bless you. You can put them down. Any others? Bill, there is a sin to which I need to reckon myself dead. 
dead to tonight. I need to realize that I can be dead to that sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. And you'd say, pray with me and for me. Would you slip a hand up? Are there others? Let me wait here. Yes, God bless you. Yes, are there others? Others? All right, you want to look right this way? Here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask the pianist to play softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. There won't be any music for just a moment, but then we will have softly and tenderly. We'll stand together. We'll pray first. If God's speaking to your heart, now if you're trusting Christ tonight, you come and let the pastor know. If you're dying to sin, that is, you're reckoning yourself dead indeed unto sin, let me encourage you to do this. Make your way to the front, sit here in the front, or maybe kneel here at these steps, and just tell the Lord, Lord, tonight I am reckoning myself dead indeed to a sin. And I'd like to encourage you to do that because Hebrews says in the 10th chapter that one of the reasons for which we gather together in the church is so that we can exhort or stir up one another unto love and good works. Uh, the idea is that we incite. We just, in other words, when God speaks to my heart, I let people know it so they'll be encouraged and allow God to speak to their heart as well. So you won't need to make a speech or anything. Your coming will be the testimony that God has spoken to your heart and you're dying uh, by the grace of God to a given sin or sins. So I'm going to encourage you to come. All right, let's stand together and we'll bow for prayer. Father, help us in the next few minutes. I pray for this dear lady who's trusted Christ that she'll come. I pray for a man here, a man there, a teenager here, another teenager there. I pray for a lady here and another lady back there. All of these have just said, you know, God spoke into my heart and tonight I'm reckoning myself dead to sin. May they come just as a testimony of that in this last service in the revival, we pray. And we ask this in Christ's name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-947. One two eight five. Thank you and God bless.